This is uh, Rena Cervantes. She is an incredibly soulful Latin American singer-songwriter, also known as Rain Bisou. And um, I didn't know this, but you're a, a classically trained soprano. Yeah, I am. Yeah, but you had an undeniable affection for jazz, hip hop, R&B. And so that's kind of led you to an amazing vocal blend. And you're kind of you can kind of throw down anything nowadays because I've heard you do so. <laughs> you have an amazing <laughs> neo soul flavor to your voice. Um, in fact, you play with a band called the Stonecutters that plays regularly at Pala and um, they're neo soul, right? Yeah, we're a comp. Well, right now we're a hybrid of soul, R&B, and we also do Latin music, particularly on Sundays for Paula's um, Domingos de Musica y Baile. So they have a series happening right now where it's nothing but Latin music. Yeah, oh, awesome. You also have a Selena tribute band called Dreaming of You that you perform with regularly. And if you've got to see, you've got to check out uh, Rain's social media and her posts about her tribute band because she does the costume. She's got the look. She looks amazing. She sounds amazing. So you've got to check that out. Um, but there are so many things that I want to get into about you. But first, as we start out, um, what were you doing when COVID hit as a singer? What were you into and, and what did you get the brakes thrown on to? Oh, my goodness. What wasn't I doing? I was in the middle of um, working on an album. Um, mm -hmm. I'm still working on it, but we had to obviously pump it to a halt. It's called Love Lessons and Losses. It's with a label called Water the Plants. Um, and I was working with a producer named Paul Rhoda. And we had to cease recording and producing and any of that because obviously the social distancing prevented us from being in the studio together. And it was a mess. I was working on developing a relationship with another producer, Marcos, also known as Copacetics, and we were working on developing a catalog for music licensing. Oh. Um, I was performing weekly at Tantalum. I think I was performing pretty much every night of the week if I really wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, I was at Tantalum on Thursdays in Long Beach. I was at Paula Casino. Um, I was over at, um, I was doing my Selena tributes. We were getting ready to travel to Vegas and to Arizona and to New Mexico. We were gonna start branching out outside of Southern California, outside of um, California in general. We were gonna start kind of touring Mm. And um, so that was exciting because the because the money was going to be so much better. And then just the opportunities we were going to work with um, with uh, Selena's husband, uh, Chris mm -hmm. Perez, and we were going to have a meet and greet with him. Um, I was uh, I had just yeah, I just released my uh, my project Lucid Dreams. I mean, so, I'm sorry, Lucidity. So my full EP, I had just released it. Um, so it was just really devastating for yeah. COVID to hit because promotion, making more music videos, finishing up projects, doing gigs, um, it just went to a halt. And at the time, they weren't allowing um, independent contractors or self-employed people to pick up unemployment. So we kind of just had to rely on our savings and rely on whatever we had for our credit cards and whatever mm -hmm. gig income that we had um saved up to kind of get us by and um i remember i was in a relationship i'm no longer in that relationship but as many of you guys know covid the pandemic the quarantine it has tested every single friendship marriage yeah. relationship um 
the, the public schooling system. And um, this relationship, because of the quarantine, deteriorated completely. Mm, like, yeah. in just so it was just so sad mm-hmm. <laughs> how quickly it deteriorated. Um, but I'm I'm personally grateful that COVID brought me the realization that this was no longer a relationship that served mm-hmm. me, and I was able to move on and actually attract something so much more in alignment with who I am now mm-hmm. and where I'm going. And so, yeah, in many ways, I I experienced some serious turmoil, some serious financial. Uh, hardship um, and also emotionally I, you know I had to go back to therapy because I just I didn't know how to handle it so I yeah. went back to therapy and I was doing you know distance therapy um, the way that I was raising my daughter and how we had to deal with distance learning had to be changed um, and there was just so many ways that I had to just change the way that I was living my health. I mean, the gyms closed, so I couldn't work out every day like I used to. Mm -hmm. And I was just such a gym buff, like really all about my goals and, you know, achieving a certain amount of pounds or a certain amount of dimensions, taking protein shakes every day. And I, you know, I I had to be more creative about how I was going to exercise. So we would rollerblade every day. We'd run around the block, but you know, Southern California is just so hot. So like Mm -hmm. trying to exercise was really difficult. So yeah, my fitness routine just went down the drain. I had to reconfigure it. My income just, it, it, it just downsized by a fraction of what it used to be. My creative endeavors, um, you know, they had to be halted, paused, rethought. Um, my band, I was making so much money for my band, booking my band in so many different places. Private parties were canceled. Deposits that were given to me because it was an act of God, I had to return them. Yeah. Whether I had the money or not, like... It was just really scary. (laughs) It was really scary. Um, So I just had to find new ways to pass the time. I started reading. I started writing. I I made a garden. I have this gigantic garden of like, you know, vegetables and chilies and herbs and all sorts of things, botanicals. I really um, hunkered down and decided, okay, this is a situation that's out of my control. Um, but I can control my response to it. How am I going to respond to this? Like, how am I going to be smarter than the pandemic? You know, mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies and books is gone with the wind. You know, I don't know if you've ever watched it or read it. I'm such a romantic, but you know, Scarlett O'Hara and Rhett Butler, they actually made, they got themselves rich from the civil war and reconstruction and taking a tragedy and kind of taking it to their advantage. And I decided, you know what, there's a lot of people that are going to come out of this pandemic so much more smarter, so much more entrepreneurial, creating things that they never would have imagined they would have been able to create or getting to things that they had put on the back burner for so long Mm -hmm. because they didn't have enough quote unquote time, you know, now you make time. So I just, I kind of just dove into the things that I could control and as the time went on, I had to really just adapt. And it was, I mean, all of us have just had to adapt so quickly. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I'm one of the few musicians that I know that still gigs pretty regularly. I do at least once a week. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of musicians do not have that luxury right now. Mm -hmm. And I just recently started teaching voice lessons. Like, you know, I was really insecure about that for a long time. I thought, oh, no, I don't have the credentials. I don't have a music degree, et cetera. Like, how could I call myself a voice teacher? And just recently, I mean, necessity is the mother of invention. Right, it is, isn't it? 
<laughs> so I was like, well, I guess I'm going to be a vocal coach. And um, I I had been out of LAUSD. I was, a, I was a substitute teacher for a long time. I was even offered a full-time position. I even taught full-time for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided to quit that because I wanted to focus fully on my music. I felt like I could be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. I was self-sufficient. <laughs> and then this happened and it's like, oh, my job is all of a sudden non-essential. Yeah. So yeah. what am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do? That's going to be essential. And I'm a single mom, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't have any other person to rely mm-hmm. upon for making ends meet. So I, yeah. I had to really think on my feet and, yeah. um, you know, thankfully I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people are really struggling. A lot of my bandmates are really struggling, but mm-hmm. I think I'm okay. I have a roof over my head. The rent gets paid. The bills get paid for the most part <laughs> <laughs> on time yeah. or not on time. Oh my gosh. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad you are in the frame of mind that you're in now. I'm, I'm sorry that you have had to go through the turmoil and I, you know, I feel for, um, everybody that has, it just has been, you know, a mind blowing time, but I was so happy, you know, when I saw you on Sunday, cause we were talking about just, you know, all the gigs that you have been able to pull off and just the fact that you've had the drive to do whatever you had to do to kind of keep the music going. I know that you you really dove into your original music. You have a new single out and everything. But like you said, you're still out there gigging. And I don't know if you feel this, that I am, I think you and I are like where we, we just have a very strong belief that, you know, we're going to be okay. And that, you know, despite the conditions, you know, um, we'll find a way, we'll find a way to, you know, uh, keep going on. But the way I feel right now is that there are a lot of opportunities, but man, nothing is easy. Nothing comes easy right now. You have to really want it. it. And it was an extreme source of pride, Danielle, for me to apply for unemployment, for me to apply for the SBA loans, the grants that they had for small businesses, because I'm actually a small business. Rainbow Zoo is registered. Mm-hmm. I'm a CPA. Like, you know, I'm, I feel so grateful that I did that five years ago, because if I hadn't done that five years ago, I'd be, you know, out of luck. Right. But um, it took work for me to go and apply and sit there with like the the multitudes of people that were going into the systems and getting kicked off and then asking for help with even applying because I didn't know how to apply as an independent contractor, as a self-employed person. When it finally opened up, I didn't know how to apply for the SBA loan. Um, I didn't know how to apply for food stamps. I didn't know, like there was just a medical. I didn't have insurance. Like I couldn't, you know, I couldn't pay out of pocket anymore if I needed to go to the dentist. Like, and I just didn't have enough money to cover anything. And it was such a humbling experience. And, you know, when I went to my, uh, my cousin, who's a tax preparer, and she was the one that helped me with everything, because she does a service where she, for a fee, she helps people with applying for unemployment and applying for the loans and everything. And she told me, listen, for every W-2 employee that a company has, that employer has to pay several thousand dollars to secure unemployment for that employee. And if the employee never uses it, it just goes back to them or it goes to the government. So actually, you know, 
you're you're actually using something that was always in place for you to begin with mm-hmm. and that was something that was really shocking for me to find out because I felt so embarrassed you know I always considered myself somebody like I work for my money like mm-hmm. I don't want any handouts I don't need any help I can create pave a way for myself and I think I can't be the only person that feels this way a no. person an entrepreneur even somebody that's been an employee all their lives like you know, we rather like look for work and work for our money because that's what, you know, that, that contributes to our self-esteem. Um, then, you know, just accept a check. And, um, so that was a really big hurdle for me to, to, to go through. And then as far as the gigs, you know, it was really amazing that Paula, as soon as, um, they opened up again, following the pandemic and they were able to get all these regulations taken care of so that they can have live music. Mm-hmm. It was an, it was an amazing thing that they called my band to be the first band to perform on the first day that they opened. Like mm-hmm. I consider that a huge blessing and not only that, but they gave us a raise. Like the CEO mm-hmm. like came up to me personally and said, I, I really love your music. I believe in you. We're going to do an outdoor concert series. I want you to perform for the outdoor concert series. Mm-hmm. Um, and offered me so much, not only just performing there, but also to be a social media manager. And I would be able to get paid for doing that. And I think it was my belief, like you said, Danielle, that everything was going to be okay, that I was going to make it work, that I, because I know that with my talent and my creativity and with what I can offer to the table, that I can attract these opportunities, it was that steadfast and wavering belief that allowed for these things to come in. Mm-hmm. And there was some resistance at first. I mean, everybody has resistance, but once I let go of the resistance and I said, okay, I'm going to meet these opportunities halfway. I'm going to show up in the best way. That's when things really started materializing more. And also just, I had to let go. I feel like quarantine is like this, this like universal season of introspection for everybody. Yes. You let go of your negative habits, your negative belief systems, the people in your life that no longer work for you, and you're just clearing away the dead weight. You're traveling lighter, and that enables you to come into this new era. Because, I mean, you told me so, Danielle, you don't think that things are going to be the same after this. Mm -hmm. Nobody thinks that, I mean, we hope that things are going to be normal, but it's going to be a very new normal. So I think all of us are coming out so much more evolved than we were before all of us are coming out with a mindset that is so different from what we possessed before this happened and I think a lot of it is going to be very much based on faith real faith in the unseen because that's the only way that I've been able to survive this you know not go crazy I'm totally with you. And I, you know, I think everything you're saying, just your belief system, I think you really embody what so many, um, professional singers, it's kind of like this through line that a lot of, um, professional entertainers have that if you, if you do become a professional in the first place, which is hard, but then when you're making a good living at it, um, these are people who work hard because believe that it is not easy to make a good living as a musician. You really, really have to work hard for that um, to begin with. And so when we're, you know, when, when 
everything that we've built kind of, you know, falls apart. It's, it's like, it is devastating, but the people that we are, the people that built that to begin with are still there. You know, it's tiring to think, you know, we've got to go through all of that um, again. And it is incredibly humbling, but um, you know, that's the belief that I have, you know, in the music community that, um, you know, they're, they're special, hardworking, dedicated, amazing people. And, you know, if anybody can come out of this, you know, um, well, I think, I think a lot of us are, you know, and I'm, um, I'm so happy that you're at, you know, where you're at. Yeah. I'm just grateful. I feel like because we're creatives, Mm-hmm. If we can be creative as far as making our music and, you know, using that, you know, to uplift people, of course, we're going to be creative about finding a way to survive yeah. and thrive from this. It's mm-hmm. just about exerting your creativity in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of creatives, myself, especially like embracing that entrepreneurial side, because it doesn't, it doesn't intuitively look like at a surface level, it doesn't look like a creative pursuit to be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but it is, you know, yeah. when you combine those two things together, you come out of it so much more powerful. Like mm-hmm. I think during this pandemic, I realized, oh, if I book my gigs instead of going through a third party, I'm actually going to make more money because right. I know my worth more than anybody else could ever know my worth. Mm-hmm. And um, if I learn how to do all of these things, that I would normally delegate to other people and become an expert in my own right, then I cut out the middleman and I keep more money for myself. And I've learned how to work smarter instead of harder because I think that's another danger that we have as musicians is that we burn the candle at both ends, Mm -hmm. take more than we should, especially if we have families. That's my case at least. And I've learned like I don't really actually need to do this many gigs or work this many hours or do this much, you know, you learn how to delegate in the right way or what actually requires more energy or, or what's going to put forth more for the amount of energy that you're giving it. One of my friends told me recently, she said, you can, you can determine the sophistication of a species by the way that it uses its energy. So I feel like at this point in time, we're all learning. How are we using our energy? Are we being sustainable with it? And not just in a worldly term, really in an energetic, spiritual, you know, mental form. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. So true. You know, I think, um, talking about like, learning the business aspect of things and really knowing your worth too. I think one of the troubling things that I see, and I think that this is just because, um, you know, as, as musicians we're I mean, maybe not all of us, but we're, we're not in the 1%, you know, of people, we end up kind of being in more of this environment that, um, is telling us right now under these conditions, we're, we're being, we're seeing this scarcity, you know, be, to us or some of us, it feels like, oh, there's nothing. Nobody has money. Nobody has anything to pay me. And so what I'm seeing a lot of is um, people offering their services for half or a fraction of what they were, you know, doing before. And um, that really troubles me because, uh, you know, people in the world, still have money they're still out there spending it it may not be happening in your household so much but 
um, you know, the reality is, is that there are, you know, people out there that are, you know, still doing fine, still spending money. And um, I don't want that to be the thing that we come out of this. You know, I don't want us questioning our value or, um, you know, degrading what, you know, what we're worth. Um, people are still hungry for music. And I think even more than ever. And, um, you know, I don't want anybody to forget how hard they work to get where they got to to begin with. And I, believe me, I, I'm everybody has to do what they have to do to keep, you know, the lights on and keep your kids fed and everything. Um, but I just think we, you know, we don't want to set a new precedence for, um, you know, the way we price our services and everything. Um, we've just all got to remember we're still we're still worth it. We're still the great entertainers, you know, that we were before all of this hit. Oh, certainly. Honestly, Danielle, I have not embodied that idea that just because this pandemic is happening, I get to devalue myself. As I told you, yeah. instead of my worth being devalued, my band actually got a raise Yeah. during the pandemic. And all of the gigs that I've put myself out for, I've maintained my value, if not increased it under the precedent that, look, I'm going to go be performing for you during a pandemic. And I'm going to be risking my health, right. my life and the life of my family to go perform at your party or at your concert, et cetera, et cetera. So I've never seen it as an excuse to devalue myself. If you mm -hmm. can pay for me, you will have me mm -hmm. very simple, yeah. you know, and that might sound rigid and bitchy, whatever you want to feel, but you know, I just have come to a point in my life where I know exactly what my value is and I'm going to maintain it and add interest. Yeah. And that's just the way that I feel about it. So any other musician, singer that's listening right now, like, no, if you know your worth, you set that worth. And of course, with certain situations, it's going to be on a case by case basis. You can sure. obviously tell. I mean, if you, when once you get to a certain point of quoting for a performance or quoting for an appearance, you know. Mm -hmm. what's going to be, you know, too much to ask for, you know? Yeah. Um, but I tend to push for more than I can ask for and then negotiating from there. Yeah. Like if they really, like, I really can't do that, then we can negotiate from there. So mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with you 100%. Artists are needed, you know, m movies. I just recently watched the Mulan movie. I think it cost me like 50 bucks to watch it from the comfort of my home. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> Cause I didn't want to wait until December. <laughs> I'm still considering it. I'm mulling it over. Still, my daughters want me to order. Danielle, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. It's so good. I think we have unlimited logins with Disney plus. So don't worry. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, if, if, if Disney, you know, can set that kind of a price for a movie and mm -hmm. it's going to cost more money for you to watch it in your house than to go to the movie theater, you know, because mm -hmm. it's going to cost me $20 to watch it with my daughter because it's just the two of us it's costing mm -hmm. $50 for me to watch it early like this. Like if they can do that, then there's no reason why I should devalue my art Yeah, at all. I mean, if anything, it should be appreciating. I recently talked to one of my friends and he said, the value of something is determined by how rare it is. There's only one of you. There's only one of me. That's the mm -hmm. cool thing about us being singers. Mm -hmm. There's only one of us that looks like us, that sounds like us, that performs like us, that writes like us. So mm -hmm. really, depending on your level of confidence and self-esteem is how you determine your value. Yeah. 
Yes. I love that message. I'm so glad that you're on to say this tonight. It's something that I really want everybody to hear, you know, and I, I'm preaching to the choir too. I know I need to remind myself of these things a lot of times, but um, it's definitely, you know, a message that I think, you know, everybody needs to hear and be reminded of right now. Um, so I want to make sure that we talk about um, your original music. And um, I know you have a lot going on right now in the studio. In fact, you just had a big session today. Um, but let's back up a little bit and tell me, um, how did you get into creating original music in the first place? Honestly, my daughter's father is the one that got me into it. I was 16 years old. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I ever recorded a song, I was 16. Um, my daughter's father, Alex, I mean, we've been separated for a long time, but um, he was one of my friends, uh, my next door neighbor's best friend, and he was making beats and he was rapping and he heard that I could sing. I sang for him. I was always just singing at school. So he invited me to his house. He had a home studio and we recorded our first song then. And then in the middle of that, I decided to start doing classical training and I studied to be an opera singer for about six years. Mm -hmm. And that fell through. I went to UCLA. Uh, I studied, I had an English uh, major, but I wanted to switch to a music major. And I auditioned for the music department and it didn't work out. And I was devastated. I was devastated. Mm -hmm. Like crying, mm -hmm. didn't want to talk about it because I worked so hard and spent so much money and spent so much time I learned Italian, I learned all sorts of, you know, just to be in this program and it didn't work. And it never dawned on me to just audition again, like the next quarter or whatever. I thought it was over, but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because that summer I started working with her dad again and we started recording more music. And after that, I decided to dedicate myself to writing original songs, production. Mm -hmm. I even got signed. Um, I put out some singles. I sang the national anthem for a Laker game, for a Dodger game, and I just started putting stuff out. But um, I was raising a daughter, you know. I was raising a little girl. I it was I was in my second year of college when I had my daughter, so it was a balance: learning to be a mom and learning to also be a musician and being a single mom. It was just really, really, really tough. So. It took me a while to start really taking my music seriously. Mm -hmm. And um, the last relationship that I was in before this one, he ended up helping me a lot with my music. We put out two EPs. He introduced me to some people that made amazing music. And that's the project that I released, uh, Lucidity, right before um, quarantine happened. Mm -hmm. So this year has actually been my most prolific year of my lifetime as far as putting out music. And I learned how to put it out on all digital platforms. I learned how to license my music. I started getting opportunities to write music for um, movies, film, television, things like that. So it started with, you know, a rejection that led to me feeling, okay, you know, I'm obviously not gonna be an opera singer. Mm -hmm. I'll just write my own music into me feeling like, oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't become an opera singer. I would have been so bored. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't, I've always been a writer. I've been a writer since I learned how to write. I have dozens of diaries that I've just written in over the years, dozens of blogs. I am, um, you know, writing has always been my stronghold. So for me to combine singing with writing and writing my own songs, um, it's been just the most 
fulfilling experience for me. And, um, and so this year, especially during the pandemic, delving into that has been so therapeutic for me because it's been limitless. Yeah. I've always had access to so many producers and musicians, and I've never fully taken advantage of that because I've always been more focused on, frankly, things that just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so this pandemic really forced me to take myself seriously as an artist. You know, I started out my dream of, okay, I don't want to teach anymore. I want to be a full-time singer. And I became a full-time singer, but I did not become a full-time artist. It's different. Yes, it is. You know, it's different. Um, I finally achieved some really cool dreams. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Elon Artists. Um, It's a big agency. I finally, I auditioned with them during this quarantine in July and I actually got in. So I'm the face of one of their big bands right now. And that's another reason why I'm in the studio. I'm tracking vocals for our promotional videos, which we're going to be shooting either this month or the next. And um, despite, you know, this pandemic, I feel like this has been the greatest period for me to sow seeds of success. Yeah. Developing relationships with producers, with people that are in the business of licensing, putting out new music, um, getting closer to my family, doing things that I had been wanting to do, like planting a garden, um, and then just deciding, okay, I was a gigging artist for two years. That was great. I don't want that to be the source of my income anymore. I want to switch. I want to transition into being a studio artist as well as somebody that does original music. I want to be one of those artists that has her own concerts Mm -hmm. as opposed to doing cover work. And that's what I'm manifesting right now. And it, it's a lot of energy. It's Mm -hmm. a lot. Five hour sessions are no joke. Sometimes I don't sleep. I, you know, my sleep schedule is all messed up right now. In addition to the gigs that I have to do, but I feel like if this is what I really want to do, it's going to take some sacrifice, Mm -hmm. like anything worth having. If, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so working in the studio, especially on your own original music, all the production, um, can be a really costly venture for, for a lot of us, you know, unless you are very, um, resourceful and scrappy about the way you do it. Uh, how, what ways, how have you gone about kind of making, pulling all the resources together to make that happen? I know that, you know, sometimes we do trade, you know, sometimes we cut deals, sometimes we straight up pay the money, you know, what have you found to be kind of useful tactics for you? Well, when I first started making original music, um, with Camille's dad, with Alex, It was a, I'm singing, you're producing. This is something we're both investing in. There was no talk about how much this is going to cost because we both knew that we were investing the same amount of energy. And I've been really lucky to have that happen to me my whole life. Mm -hmm. I've been very lucky to have producers and engineers and all sorts of people who are more than willing to provide music for me, production for me, for no cost Hmm. at no cost. And, um, and that's for original music. If I'm going to do something that's like a licensing job, then I get paid because I'm contributing my voice. And then I still keep my publishing and I still keep my writers. But when it came to, um, 
And that was the arrangement for the most part, but when it came to really upping the ante and wanting something that was serious quality, I did have to pay a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I had to pay a thousand dollars for sometimes one song, sometimes more because it was recording the tracks, the studio time, mixing, mastering. But I, as I progressed in my career and I started gaining more of a following and I started having a bigger repertoire, um, again, there was just more people who were just willing to invest in me. I have several investors who are willing to pay money up front and then they'll take a percentage later. So that's been really helpful. And mm -hmm. for, a, for a long time, I didn't take advantage of that. I kept myself very exclusive to one project at a time. And um, so right now I'm backed by a label for the project that I was doing today. So that was a five hour session. I went in, tracked the vocals. My engineer and producers already paid for. The label is going to be pushing my visuals. The label's gonna be pushing um, everything. Once the music gets released, they're gonna take a percentage of the earnings. But mm -hmm. I don't have to contribute anything. If it's something that I do myself or it's a joint venture with another producer, for example, my bedroom sessions, sing, uh, Good Things is one of the singles from that. Yeah, I've had to pay for studio time. I've had to pay for um, mixing and for mastering. But still, because I have such great relationships with people, it's never at the full price. Yeah. So I've learned, you know, singers out there, singers and songwriters out there, take advantage of your connection. Take advantage of the people that believe in you and that are fans of you because they're going to want to invest in you mm -hmm. and be unapologetic about it. Because when you see it as a win-win situation, there's nothing to be ashamed of as far as, you know, asking for assistance. I mean, it'd be very different if I was like Rihanna or like, I don't know, Alicia Keys, obviously. But at this moment, that's not who I am. I'm an independent artist. And even then, I still pay people for the work that they do. I commission my own friends at the price that they are worth mm -hmm. for what they do. You know, like I, I'm constantly commissioning people for artwork for my singles, for photography. I have an engineer that comes into my house once to twice a week in my home studio upstairs and I pay her her hourly rate to come here because I appreciate it. Cause I'd rather delegate her to do amazing vocals for me yeah. than anybody else. So yeah, it could be really costly to work on your original music, but bottom line, take advantage of your resources, research what it is that you want to achieve and whether it's going to really cost a lot of money to do it or not. Um, because you can really make some beautiful things on a low budget. You don't have to spend mega bucks to create art. You don't. There's plenty of people out there that are, you know, it's like doctors, you know, or doctors have different words depending on what kind of demographic they cater to. And you'll find that people will be willing to help you if they believe in you. Yeah. I think you nailed it on the head when you said relationships, you know, and, and if you're, um, I mean, literally every person that has come on to talk with me, we've said the same thing that, um, I mean, Rain, you're an, a phenomenal singer. There's a lot of phenomenal singers out there, though, that aren't getting the same opportunities that you are. And, and probably one of the big differentiators is the relationship thing. You know, um, I know your personality off stage, and I know that, you know, you're, you're awesome to be with, you're friendly, you're, you know, you're, um, 
great to have conversation with. And um, if that's so important to like have those skills or just have that vibe in general. Um, but I think another thing about it is that I bet you have told people what you want to do. You've asked for it. You've put it out there and made it clear what it is that you want to do. You've, you've solicited the help, you know, and not just kind of sat back and waited for someone to, you know, discover you, right? I mean, that's a popular Bible verse, Danielle. Ask and it is given. Ask and you shall receive. You, I am a firm believer. I mean, we go to the same spiritual center. We sing at the same spiritual center. You really have to speak it into existence. Your mm -hmm. thoughts become things, you know, there, there's a process to this, right? You know, mm -hmm. the thought activated by the feeling spoken creates magic in your life. And you have to be willing to constantly talk about your dreams to people that are willing to hear them. And they're enthusiastic about those things. I can't tell you how often I'm telling people what I want to do, mm -hmm. what my dreams are and asking people, well, what is your goal? What do mm -hmm. you want to do? And then I find a way to help them. Like the girl, Monique, that I'm working with right now, I was showing her videos of Elon performances and telling her that I'm going to be doing the same thing. She's like, I want something like that. And I'm like, well, guess what? I'm going to not be able to take a lot of the gigs that I was able to take before the pandemic. Would you be willing to take them? This is what you need to do. And that's how I've been able to mentor people and help people is they've been willing to tell me. And sometimes you also have to ask people. You have to be willing to talk about ideas <laughs> instead of events, instead of other people. You have to be willing to talk about ideas and, and reach that high level thinking with other people, because yeah, those yeah. are the kind of developmental relationships that are going to serve your higher purpose. Yeah, you know? that's right. When you're in the green room and you have the privilege of being surrounded by other awesome musicians, maybe instead of talking shit, talk about yourself, talk about your ideas, talk about what you want to do. You got to, you got to turn those things around because the, you know, the, the other part is not going to get you anywhere. It's you know not going to help that's, you. you know, I am so glad that you mentioned this. Singers, okay? If you don't want to be talked about, if you don't want people to talk trash about you, don't talk trash about people. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. you want to be the type of person, you know, like, and this is why I mentioned this, Danielle, you know, small minds discuss people. Mm -hmm. You know, average minds discuss events, but big minds discuss ideas. Yeah. So you got to get into the habit to talking about yourself, your ideas, what you want to put forth, what you want to attract, um, because that's going to set it in motion much better than criticizing somebody else and what they're doing wrong, which is really only a projection of whatever, you know, insecurities that you have within yourself. And do you really want to expose yourself like that to high level thinking people that can actually help you? Yeah. No offense, but we can tell the difference between people that are insecure and people that are actually about it and people that are actually interested in going somewhere with their ideas and materializing their dreams. And it's irritating to discover that somebody isn't really about who they really are about. Like I personally turn that off all the time. Hey, can we talk about somebody else or yeah. can we talk about something else? Or, Oh, you guys are talking shit again. All right. I'm, I'm out. Or I'll just yeah. like be on my phone or like, I'll just figure out, I'll, I'll pull out a book. Like I'm just not going to engage. And you know, singers, you got to be willing to do the same thing. Like if you, if you want to create a better environment for yourselves, in the green room or wherever you go to network at a gig, 
you got to be the type of person that doesn't have any tolerance for shit talk and doesn't have any tolerance for any low level thinking that's going to get in the way of your success because you're just blocking your blessing. Right. And I apologize for my energy changing, but I'm really passionate about this. Yeah. I really well, feel- that's another great point, though. That's an energy. That is an energy that you have to use in order to orchestrate a whole conversation that is centered around somebody else. Yeah. You know, why would you waste that? Why would you waste that kind of, you know, resource, you know, in yourself? I mean, believe me, I have been guilty of doing these things, but it is something that, uh, you know, I'm very (laughs) conscious of. um, And I would rather, you know, spend that time with professionals, you know, talking about, like we said, higher, higher level thinking ideas, being creative. I think we need more and more and more of that right now. You know, we we're, oh my gosh, we're just in such dire need of connection. And I know, um, you know, the music community, we're not really able to be together as much right now, but I just think the world in general, you know, needs to take that note and just channel that energy towards what you do want rather than, you know, what you want to be against and, you know. Yes, exactly. In fact, I think both of us are going to be taking that foundation class next week, right? On the 22nd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I look forward to having you in class there. I've actually taken that class before, but I'm actually taking it again because I want to start um, slowly, little by little, taking classes in order to have a practitioner's um, degree, license. Like, I don't know what it's called, but I want to become a practitioner. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and so I know that Foundations is the first class that's going to go towards that. But um, I'm, I'm all for... Um, personal development, you know, because when it comes to you and what you're doing, when you become the person that, you know, you want to see out there in the world and you walk the walk and talk the talk, you know, you inspire other people to do the same just by being who you are. Mm-hmm. Just by just because at a certain point, it's like breathing, like, you know, talking about ideas instead of people that just becomes the habit instead of like correcting yourself or changing that habit. And so I know that every time we're at Seaside, you know, we're always enthusiastic about talking about like what's going on, what we're doing, like what's new, how are we, you know, like what's good, what's happening that's good. And Mm -hmm. so I enjoy like having, replicating that type of environment and the type of vibration in other places, because if people understood the power of their words, they would be really careful about how they use them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. You know, and I want to kind of point, I want to use you a little bit as um, a case study because I've worked with you, you know, on a number of times. And when I have worked with you, you bring a great vibe, a great energy um, with you. There is, you know, you kind of, when rain comes into the room, you feel it, you know, and you're always, you're always positive. Um, you're always, um, I don't know. You're just always ready for it. You're ready to work. You're ready to have a good time. And, um, I've always enjoyed just, um, you know, the person that you are, you're great to be around. You're a great singer. And so much so I think the first time that you and I sang together, I remember thinking, gosh, you know, I would, I'd love to sometime call her, you know, to work, 
um, with, with my band. And sure enough, you know, I've called you on a number of occasions to come work. And that's just, I, I just want to use you as a case study though, that, you know, people like Rain who are, you know, getting great opportunities and succeeding, even though, you know, these times are just seem, seem impossible. Um, it's not just luck. It's, it's because you're, um, you're making it happen. You're setting that foundation. You're, um, you're, you're walking your talk, you know, and, um, you know, you're a great example of that. And I, I really admire you so much. I mean, you're just, you're, um, way, way more than just a great singer. You're so intelligent. You're so strong. You're just, you know, brilliant lady. And I am so glad to know you. And I'm so glad that you said yes to being on tonight. Thank you. You know what, Danielle, and I wanted to tell you too, those moments where um, I got to be a part of Mighty Untouchables and I got to sing with you guys. Wow. Like that was really like, at the time I was really working like gigs that were like bar gigs, restaurant gigs, you know, stuff that wasn't really as magnanimous as like a 12 to 16 piece band. And uh, it just it just pumped me up so much. And then your stage present, your voice, the fact that you pretty much had everything memorized, the dance moves, the energy, the way that the whole band communicated, the beautiful places that we performed at, you know, it really, um, it made me yearn for more experiences like that. And it made me realize, oh, this is what you need to be like, or this is what you need to live up to or work up to in order to consistently continue get work like this, because it was really my first experience. And I, it was such a learning experience for me, learning how to work. And, and a lot of the times while, while I was watching you guys perform, I was just like, like, I, I forgot that I was on stage. Like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, just really excited. There were some songs that like, I decided to include in my repertoire, like definitely, um, working day and night. Oh my yeah. gosh. I perform that one at Paula all the time now. But I mean, truly, it's such a pleasure to know you and to work with you because you bring that energy. And not only that, but your energy is so wholesome. You know, you are truly a woman, a lady of integrity and beauty and talent. And you walk in your faith. Mm. And all of that exudes from you. So I'm just so grateful to, to be able to admire somebody like you and to have you as an example of professionalism. Oh, thank you for saying that. Thank you so much. Well, and the feelings are mutual, totally. And I know that we'll have you, uh, we'll have you back in the lineup again sometime soon. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta get going again, anyways. <laughs> but, um, tell everybody where they can find you online. What's the best place to hear your music? Okay, so I'm most active through Instagram. I'm occasionally on Facebook. The Rain Bee Sue page is on Facebook, but you can also find me as Rena Cervantes. I'm pretty active on both, but I'm most active on Instagram. R-A-I-N-B-I-S-O-U. Um, if you type that up on any you know digital platform, you can find me, you can Google me. I have a YouTube channel. My latest single is Good Things. Um, and I'm going to be having some more singles out pretty soon. I'm going to have a double release of Sabor Ami coming up within the next week mm -hmm. or two. And um, 
that's going to be an English and a Spanish version of Sabor a Mi. Paula Casino, I'm going to be there September 27th. Um, I'm also going to be there on let's get this calendar, uh, <laughs> October 11th and October um, 25th, as well as October 27th. Um, I have two Selena tribute shows, one in Oxnard on October 4th and another one um, in Montclair on October 3rd. Those are both Selena tributes. And um, if you ever want to reach me, if you want a voice lesson, if you want to just just talk to me about, you know, let's say you're a songwriter and you want to know how to get started, how do you how to get verified on Spotify, how to get an Apple Music profile, how to get your music on all the platforms, um, anything that you need help with, you could just reach out to me, Rain B. Sue on Instagram, or just look for me anywhere. My website's www.rainbsue.com. Um, but yeah, just look me up. I'm happy to support you, be a mentor, be a teacher, be an aide, an advocate. Um, just ask whatever else you want to ask.